Mark chapter 15, 16 through 20, we will read the text and then we will pray. Then the soldiers led him away into the courtyard, that is, headquarters, and called the whole company together. They dressed him in a purple robe, twisted together a crown of thorns, and put it on him. And they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! They kept hitting him on the head with a reed and spitting on him. Getting down on their knees, they were paying him homage. When they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple robe, put his clothes on him, and led him out to crucify him. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we come to you this morning, and I pray that your Holy Spirit would be among us. God, I pray that if there is one in this room that has never heard the name of Jesus, that they would hear it today. If they've never heard of who he is and what he did and what he's about, that they would hear today. And God, if they've never accepted him as their Lord and Savior, that they would accept him today. So God, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross. I pray that your spirit would speak through me and to me and to each one of us here so that you may be glorified. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. Here we have just a small snippet of what was happening to Jesus in his final hours. He was mocked, he was beaten, he was ridiculed, he was made fun of. What kind of man is this? Who is Jesus? Who is the man who would go through this? This ridicule, this punishment, the abuse, and eventually the death of giving his own life. Who is Jesus? <coughs> Why would he do this? Now, there are a lot of a lot of things that you hear about Jesus. Maybe some of you in this room have never even heard the name of Jesus before. Maybe you've sat through church all these years and you've been lollygagging. Well, good news, you're going to get to hear him out of a day, so open your ears. Maybe some of you have heard that Jesus was not real. It was all made up. Everything in this book is, is all made up. It's not real. It's fake. Some would say, well, Jesus was a good man, but that was it. He was just a good man. Well, I'm here today to tell you that Jesus is real. He is not made up. He is not fake no matter what some of the smartest people in the world might tell you. God's Word tells us otherwise. And while people who say Jesus was a good man, they are right, Jesus was a good man. But Jesus was so much more than a good man. Jesus was the Son of God. And here we see Jesus, who has given His life and about to be nailed to a cross, with people who did not respect him, who did not believe him, and who were ready to put him to death in the cruelest of ways. A man who was perfect, a man who, who had caused no trouble, a man who was only coming in love, trying to bring good news to people, trying to show them the way that they could be forgiven, trying to show them the way to the Father. But the people didn't want to hear it. Who is Jesus? Well, I'm going to read to you a bunch of scriptures today. You don't have to follow along, so I'm going to read through them kind of quick. You don't have time to flip, so write them down. If you want to know them, I'll give you a list of them later. But what I wanted to do was I wanted to tell you who Jesus is. In case you didn't know, 
in case you've missed it for all these years, I want to tell you who Jesus is. Who the Bible tells us that Jesus is. The Bible tells us that Jesus is humble. Luke chapter 2 verse 7. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son and she wrapped him snugly in cloth and laid him in a feeding trough because there was no room for them at the lodging place. From the very beginning of Jesus Christ's existence on this earth, when he came in human form, Jesus was humble. He was humble from the get-go. And we see that from the beginning of his birth all the way till he took his last breath on the cross that Jesus is humble. We see in the Bible that Jesus is compassionate. Jesus didn't come uh, causing a bunch of trouble. He didn't come condemning people left and right. Now, he told them what was right and what was wrong. But in the midst of all that, what we see time and time again through Jesus' actions is that Jesus was compassionate. As Jesus went around uh, preaching and teaching the people all the time, Matthew 14, 14 says, As he stepped ashore, he saw a huge crowd, felt compassion on them, and healed their sick. Boy, that sums up Jesus good. He was a man who came to have compassion on the people who were sick. Now what we see in this verse in context is we're talking about physical sickness. People who had diseases. People who were suffering with all this sickness. And we see a man who was compassionate who came to heal the sick. But in Jesus' compassion and all throughout the Bible we see a man who came to be compassionate to us and to heal us of our sinful sickness. Jesus is compassionate. And some of you need to experience that. Some of you have never seen that Jesus before. Sometimes, this is tough, we need to listen church. Sometimes people go to churches and what they feel when they go into churches is condemnation. I see people like this sometimes. They say, I come to church and I feel condemned. I feel judged. And they don't see the compassion of Jesus Christ. And maybe you're sitting in this room today and you felt that way in this church. Forgive us if you felt that way, if we treated you that way. But don't reject Jesus Christ because those who profess to be his followers aren't doing what the Bible calls us to do. Jesus Christ is compassionate and he wants to show you compassion. He wants to show you love and he wants to show you forgiveness. Don't miss that. It's all throughout the Bible that we see that Jesus is compassionate. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 7 verse 34 that Jesus is a friend of sinners. We see time and time again when Jesus in his ministry is going around to people who are rough. I ain't talking about people who are, I'm not talking about people who just tell a dirty joke. We're talking about people who are prostitutes and demon possessed and liars and thieves and tax collectors. All these Nasty old people in the Bible that are sinners. Just like you and me. You say, I'm not a sinner. Hold up. I hate to, well, I don't hate to be the bearer of bad news. I'm going to be the bearer of bad news. You're a sinner. Every one of us are. But the good news is, is that Jesus is a friend of sinners. 
Now, that's not like Jesus says, keep on sinning. I want to come party and, and do all these sinful things with you. That's not what it's talking about. When it says Jesus is a friend of sinners, it's that Jesus didn't sh uh, shy away from those who were sinful, but he came to them. He came to us. He said, look, I want to forgive you. I want to help you to break free from the sin and the burden it brings. Jesus is a friend of sinners. Jesus is a teacher, Matthew 7, 29, because he was teaching them like no one, excuse me, because he was teaching them like one who had authority, not like their scribes. The Bible tells us that when the people began to hear the preaching and the teaching of Jesus, it was something different about what Jesus was teaching. Because Jesus wasn't teaching, that the people had to jump through a bunch of hoops. He wasn't teaching that people could earn their salvation. He wasn't teaching all of these crazy laws and rules that had to be followed. Jesus was different because Jesus was teaching love. Jesus had just finished, when this verse was written in Matthew chapter 7, had just finished a wonderful sermon about looking at the heart. He had told the people time and time again, look, it comes down to your heart. I want you to have a pure heart. I don't want you to, to think evil things. I don't want you to, to do all these things. I want you to cleanse your heart. I want you to come to me. I want you to seek me. I'm the Son of God. I'm the Savior. I want you to come to me so that you can be cleansed. And Jesus taught that all throughout the Bible. And it was something different about Jesus. And there's still something different about Jesus. Because if you begin to go and study all the other religions of the world... If you begin to look at all these major religions that are trying to win people over and doing a pretty good job, sad to say, there's a difference between what Jesus teaches and preaches than what all these other religions preach and teach. And that is, other religions require something of you. We must earn our salvation, our forgiveness. We must earn our good standing with God. That is, the more good stuff we do, or in some cases, sadly in ISIS, the more killing you do, or whatever those requirements may be, the more you do, the better your standing will be with God. Very works-based. you got to work for it. And here comes Jesus onto the scene, and he says, come put all your burden on me. Jesus doesn't say you got to work for it. Jesus says, I want you to come and put your burden on me. I want you to put God first. And I want you to love everybody. That sounds pretty good deal right there. That sounds pretty good. And the people said, all right, we're going to kill you. That doesn't make any sense. Jesus didn't require anything of them other than to love people. And that's what Jesus taught. And we need to follow what Jesus taught. Jesus was a teacher, and we need to follow what he taught. The Bible tells us in John chapter 10, uh, verses 14 and 15, that Jesus was a good shepherd. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own sheep. And they know me, as the Father knows me. And I know the Father. I lay down my life, for the sheep. Jesus was a good shepherd. 
Back in those days, sheep were, were an important thing. You didn't want to lose your sheep. That was your livelihood. You don't want to take a chance of losing just one, the Bible says. Talking about those who are of the Lord's, he's going to get just that one. He worries about every last one of us. The Bible says that Jesus saw the people and had compassion on them, as we just talked about, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus came to tell the people that he was the good shepherd. That he was coming, that he was being obedient to the the Father, and that he was willing to give his life for the sheep. That's you and me. That's a good shepherd. We are valuable in the Lord's eyes. The world may tell you, and the devil may have convinced you to believe it, that you are worthless, that you are good for nothing. Well, I got news for you. That is a lie. That is a lie from the pits of hell. The devil would like you to believe that you're worthless, but the Bible tells you that you are worth more than gold. Jesus says that he is the good shepherd and that you as his sheep, he doesn't want to lose you. He wants you to come into the flock. He wants you to come into the pen. He wants to give you freedom. He wants to give you protection from the enemy. So next time the enemy tries to attack you, and he will, and he does, because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy is going around like a lion looking for one to devour. The next time that the enemy tries to convince you that you are worthless, don't you forget that Jesus is a good shepherd. And you are worth a lot to Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God, John 3, 16 and 17. For God loved the world in this way. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world that He might condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. Jesus was a good man, but he was not just a man. He was the Son of God who came to earth. He came to earth so that we may be saved, so that we may believe on him, so that we may have everlasting life. Not to condemn, but to save. The people in Jesus' time missed the fact that he was the Son of God. They thought he was a lunatic. And if he would have went around saying those things and wouldn't have been the son of God, he would have been a straight up lunatic. But he was who he says he was. And we need not forget that. Maybe you didn't know that. Maybe you're hearing it today for the first time. Praise the Lord. Maybe God's finally opened your ears and you realize that Jesus is the son of God and in him is grace, not condemnation. Praise the Lord. Jesus is a servant to all, Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Now Jesus had all the power in the world. Jesus could have done anything he wanted to do. He could have forced all of us to be his slaves and wait on him hand and foot and and fan him and feed him wonderful foods and and keep everything clean and he could just lay back and have a wonderful, glorious life. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? We would all like that. And Jesus had the power to do it. And he could have done it. 
But he didn't. Jesus didn't come to this world. He didn't ask for the, the front seat. He didn't ask for all the, the, the biggest and the best. Jesus didn't go around blowing a trumpet, making a big to-do about who he was. Look at me, I'm so good. I'm the Son of God. Let me preach the sermon today. Jesus didn't do that. He didn't make a big deal about who he was. Instead, he went around to be a servant to all. Instead, he went around and he washed people's feet. Are you kidding me? The Son of God washing his followers' feet? Touching sick people that were unclean? That don't mean nothing to us, but in those days, that was a big deal. You can't touch people who are sick. Got to stay away from them. And here is Jesus, the Son of God, who ought to know better, and he's mixed up with all these sinners and sick people. And he's humbled himself. Jesus came as a servant to all. The Bible tells us that Jesus is gentle. We talked about this last week, Matthew chapter 21, verse 5. Look, your king is coming to you gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a coat, the foal of a beast of burden. Again, Jesus didn't come making a big to-do. He didn't call, uh, come causing a big scene. He didn't come cracking a whip. He spoke truth. He said that sin was sin. Some people didn't want to hear that. But he came in love. He spoke the truth in love, and he also spoke it with grace. He didn't just tell the people, you're a bunch of sinners, get out of here. He told the people, look, you're a bunch of sinners, but I want to show you grace. I want to show you forgiveness and mercy. And Jesus came gently. Some of you may have had a misconception of who Jesus was. Read your Bible. Jesus is gentle. And when you have a problem, when you have something going on, Jesus wants you to come to him. And he'll take care of you. <clears throat> Some of you say, let me flip the page and say, oh no, here we go. It's alright. It's going to be good. We're going to get the whole story of Jesus today. We're not cutting it short. There's a lot about Jesus in this book. I'm just scratching the surface today. Jesus is obedient. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. Now that is some major obedience. That is some major obedience. I wish I could say that I always have that obedience. I remember as a kid, my parents would tell me to do something and I didn't want to because it was going to inconvenience me. Get up and clean your room. Oh, i got to stop playing video games and get up and clean my room. And I wouldn't do it. I wasn't even obedient in the little stuff. But we have a Savior in Jesus who is obedient in the biggest way possible. He was obedient to death, even death on a cross. Not just normal death. It's not like Jesus came and he lived a life and he preached and he had kids and he died a ripe old age of 89 and he was there and it was pleasant. That's not the kind of death that Jesus come to die. The kind of death that our Savior, that Jesus died for us, was one on a cross. It was not a normal death. It was a horrific death. It was a death that was reserved for the worst of the worst of the worst. Jesus was the one, let's not forget, who comes saying, love everybody. Love the Lord, love everybody. But he suffered the death of the worst of the worst of the worst. And he was obedient 
He didn't give up. You know who should have been hanging on the cross? Who should have suffered that death for their sinfulness? Now, Jesus was sinless. He never sinned. But who should have been on that cross is me and you. That's who should have been there. Because the cross was reserved for the worst of the worst. And whether you realize it or not, you and I are. You say, well, I'm not that bad. Well, maybe not in my eyes you're not that bad. And maybe not in my eyes I'm not that bad. But we're not judged in my eyes and your eyes. We're judged in the eyes of the Lord. In the eyes of the Lord, we are wicked sinners. And it should have been us on that cross. But Jesus, in his obedience, said, you know what? I'll take this. See, you don't have to. We serve a Jesus that we can trust because we serve a Jesus who is obedient and was obedient to the very end. Jesus is selfless. Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. Going a little farther, he fell face down and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus could have been selfish and said, Look, Father, I have been here for three years now. I have not sinned. I have done good. I have tried to pe preach grace and truth to these people. And God, all they want to do is kill me. I have tried and tried, but nothing's going to make a difference. I give up. Take me home. And Jesus could have done that. Jesus could have been selfish. That's probably what I would have done. But praise the Lord, Jesus didn't. Jesus was selfless. Jesus knew that there would be some who would kill him. He knew that there would be some who would reject him. But even in the midst of all the pain that he was about to go through, he said, look, God, I wish there was another way. And if, but if there's not another way, then I want to do your will. Jesus is selfless. Jesus is loving. John chapter 15, verse 13. No one has greater love than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. That takes love right there. That takes love. I think as we progress in life, we begin to see that love. We understand love to a certain extent. At least I did. Maybe this is just me. But love changed for me about 18 months ago when I married Michelle. It was something different. I, I got it. Like all those verses in the Bible about husband and wives and love your wife, yeah, that's good, I get it, I understand it. I thought I did. And then I got a wife. And now I get it. Some of you have gone a little step further. You've got children. Boy, if something happens to them kids, what are you going to do? You're going to take care of them. That's a special kind of love. That's a love that comes from God. It doesn't come from the world. It doesn't come from the devil. It comes from God. We see that with Jesus on the cross. Is he's willing to give his life for us. Jesus is love. Jesus is forgiving. Luke chapter 23 verse 34. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them. 
because they do not know what they are doing. Now, these words by themselves probably wouldn't hold a whole lot of weight, but when you realize what was going on when this was taking place, it makes a big difference. It's not like people, it's not like Jesus was, was walking through the store and people were pointing saying, ha ha, you, 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 you freak, you think you're God's son, ha ha ha. No, it's not what Jesus was talking about. Well, that would be bad enough. When Jesus uttered these words, he was nailed to a cross. There were people who were mocking, who were about to take his life, who had ridiculed and persecuted him. And in the midst of all that, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. We serve a Savior who is forgiven. He is forgiving of our sins if we ask Him to be. And some of you may be saying, I cannot be forgiven. I am too far gone. The Bible would say otherwise. Jesus would say otherwise. He didn't die on a cross for no good reason. If you couldn't be forgiven, what Jesus did was in vain, and He really was a nut. But it wasn't in vain. He died on the cross because you can be forgiven. Because, because he did that, you can be forgiven. Jesus is forgiving, and don't miss that. Jesus is victorious. Matthew chapter 28, verse 6. He is not here, for he has been resurrected, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Now those were some difficult last few days and last few hours for Jesus as he was led into town and made a mockery of and nailed to a cross. But praise the Lord, that is not the end of the story. If that was the end of the story, we wouldn't be here today. If that was the end of the story and we were here anyway, uh, a man who claimed to be God and died and that was the end, we never heard anything about uh, else about him, we would be crazy. If, if Jesus had just died, there's no good in that because we're going to die. But what makes Jesus different is that he rose from the grave. And three days later, after he was crucified on the cross, Jesus was resurrected. And that's how we know Jesus is not just some crazy man. Jesus is who he said he was. Jesus is the Son of God. And that's why we're here this morning. Because we had hope. Because those four words were uttered when they went to the tomb and the angels was there and they said, He is not here. He had lived a perfect life. He had conquered sin. We can't do that. We're sinners. He did it for us. And when he died, he conquered death. The grave couldn't hold him. We can't do that. But he can do it for us. It's not that we're going to escape this worldly death. But it's that when we are resurrected, like our Lord and Savior, we will be forgiven when we place our trust in him. And we will be with him for all of eternity. Jesus is not a loser, although the world would have you believe that. Jesus is not just some crazy loser. Jesus is a triumphant victor.
Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. If you don't get that, you better be getting it. If you don't know that by this point, you better be getting it. You better be seeking the Lord. You better be in His Word. Jesus is victorious and He wants to share that victory with you. But you better come to Him and accept it. Jesus is returning. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11 through 16. And then I saw heaven open, and there was a white horse. Its rider is called Faithful and True. That's Jesus, by the way. And he judges and makes war in righteousness. His eyes were like a fiery flame, and many crowns were on his head. He had a name written that no one knows except him. He wore a robe stained with blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies that were in heaven followed him on white horses wearing pure white linen. A sharp sword excuse me, came from his mouth so that he might strike the nations with it. He will shepherd them with an iron scepter. He will also trample the winepress of the fierce anger of God the Almighty. And he has a name written on his robe and on his thigh. King of kings, Lord, and Lord of lords. Jesus came once. He gave his life for us. He died on the cross and he was resurrected and he's sitting at the right hand of God and he's waiting for the day to come that he will return. Jesus is returning. And ain't no maybe about it. He is returning. And some of you don't believe that. Some of you say, he's not going to return. I've been hearing that all my life. It's just not going to happen. I got news for you. He's returning. He's coming. Just this week, I, I listened to a, a long debate between one of the greatest Christian uh, creationists and thinkers uh, of our day against a, 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 an atheist scientist who didn't believe anything that the Bible had to say. And the Christian was trying to... Uh, uh, get the point across that uh, God had created everything and, and explain how God was in control of all that had been made. And the scientist kept coming back to one point over and over and over and over, and this was his argument. He claimed that science is predictable. That is, you can use science to predict things that are going to happen, and they we see them happen. And that's true. A lot of times you can crunch numbers and do these theorems and you can take some scientific numbers and you can figure out one thing based on uh, the science that you use. That's true. I'm not against science, by the way. I like science. It's good. And he kept saying time after time again, there's one thing your religion can't do. It can't predict things. It can't predict things. When you show me that your religion can predict, then I'll believe. And I was thinking, man, I want to send this guy an email. Because our Bible's been predicting stuff all throughout the Old Testament. It predicted Jesus was going to come, and it happened. And there is one prediction left to be filled in this Bible. And our Bible predicts that Jesus Christ is returning. It is not questionable. It is not something that science can prove, but it is something that the Word of God tells us. It is a fact. You can believe it or you cannot believe it. But if you choose not to believe it, you are not going to get to experience the forgiven Jesus that we talked about. You're not going to get to experience that Jesus who came to bring grace and love. You are going to get to experience the Jesus who is going to bring wrath. Because when he returns, 
it'll be too late. Now we have seen today who Jesus is. I didn't make this stuff up. This came from God's Word. We have seen today who Jesus is. But the question that, that, that may come to your mind, that has often come to my mind, we see what Jesus went through on the cross. And the word that comes to my mind is why. Why would he do it? Jesus had absolutely nothing to gain. Now, on our human side, a lot of times we do stuff, but we're going to get a little gain from it. We, we may do something nice for somebody, and they may do something for us in return, and we may not be doing it just to get something nice in return. But a lot of times, there, there's that feeling there. We're, we're doing a little something for something in return. Jesus came from a perfect place, from heaven, there was no sin. There was none of this junk down here. All these wars and all this crazy stuff that we have to put up with. And he left all that just to come to a place that he knew was not going to accept him. They were going to reject him. They were going to mock him. They were going to beat him. And they were going to nail him to a tree. There was no gain whatsoever for Jesus on this earth. Why would he do it? What could he gain? They didn't build him a big castle. They didn't give him a big throne. They didn't throw him a big party. They didn't do any of that stuff for Jesus on earth. Why would Jesus do it? What did Jesus have to gain by coming as a humble servant, by teaching us God's Word, and by dying on a cross and raising three days later? What did Jesus have to gain? He had to gain you. That's all Jesus had to gain. That's all he wanted. Jesus wasn't getting anything in return for all that he went through except for you. Jesus went through all of that. He was on this earth for some 33 years doing God's work, preaching God's word, and giving his life not for recognition, not for fame, not for wealth, but for your soul. That's a pretty good guy. That's the son of God. Everything you see in this book was because God desired to have a relationship with you. Everything from Genesis to Revelation, when sin entered into the picture, God's plan began to go into place. God's plan began to move. And we see Jesus from Genesis to Revelation, and God's plan was that He wanted to be with you. He desired to be with you. Jesus wanted to be with you. That was His only motivation was for your sins to be forgiven and for you to come on up to heaven when your time here is done so that He can be with you. So that He can hang out with you for all of eternity. Now what's not to love about that? But you have a choice to make. While Jesus' salvation is available for everybody, you have to accept it. You have to acknowledge that you're a sinner in need of grace. You have to accept the fact that Jesus Christ came and lived on this earth, that He was God's Son in the flesh, that He came and He gave His life on a cross, that He took that wrath of God, that He was nailed to that cross that you should have been nailed to so you wouldn't have to be. He took the wrath of God so when He comes back, you won't have to. 
But you have to accept him as your Lord and Savior, and you have to ask him to forgive you and come into your heart. That's a choice that you have to make. That's the choice that everybody throughout all of history has had to make. That's the choice that the people who were nailing Jesus to the cross had to make. I hope that you have heard today who Jesus is. I hope you've heard it today. The question is, do you believe it? And do you accept it? Let's pray. God, we come to you this morning, and I thank you for all of your word that we look at, just to get a picture of who Jesus is. And God, I pray that if there is one in this room that has not accepted Jesus, that maybe today that your Holy Spirit and your word has spoke to them, has tugged on their heart, that they would acknowledge their sinfulness, their need for a Savior, that they would come to you today. And Lord, I just thank you that we have grace. I thank you for the truth of your word. God, I pray that you would encourage each one, that you would strengthen each one in this place, dear Lord, that when the world comes, comes at us and tells us that we're, we're crazy, believe in a book of lies, that we would stand firm, dear Lord. That we would know the truth of your word, God. That we would know that we don't believe because of proof. We believe on faith. We know what your word says, dear Lord, and we look forward to the day that Jesus Christ would return and bring his children home. And I pray, God, that if there is one in this room today that is not your child, that they would seek you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.